We are continuing our journey through the book of Acts, and um, we have, we've actually been following the book of Acts. We're about five, about five months old as a congregation. So we started on first Sunday one uh, with Acts chapter one, and so we're moving into Acts chapter eight. We're, we're making that journey. And as we have traveled, the theme that has jumped out most persuasively, most frequently, is that of mission and evangelism. It started with, I blame it on Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The entire book of Acts is a picture of this unfolding. It was and is what we call mission. The mission of Jesus to touch and change the lives of people, to seek and save the lost. And then the mission of Jesus has become the mission of his church to point to the good news of Jesus Christ. Mission, I believe, the mission of Christ brings us together as a church and sends us out. I would also say that it was mission that brought my wife and I together. You, you, may, not, you may not know this story, uh, but uh, we went to college together, and um, it was a, uh, we were involved with a, a student ministry group on our campus, and um, they were very mission-minded. And so every year, you know, mission requires money, resources, so every year we would do fundraising. And um, the, the way that we did this kind of reveals my age a bit and uh, was something we called a date auction. Now, it's, it, doesn't, it would not do this today. It is not politically or uh, for a lot of reasons a good idea. But in those days uh, and in our particular group where the ladies outnumbered the men three to one, it worked. So the idea was that an auctioneer, we would, we would we'd bring in an auctioneer to auction the dates, and the men on campus would write up a date. Do I have a picture of our date? I think I might. That uh, uh, my roommate or a friend and I got together, and we wrote up a date, and the auctioneer would come and, and auction them off to the ladies. I mean, it, somehow it really worked. It sounds so strange to talk about it these days. But the thing is, the ladies didn't know who. So the dates were anonymous. They would, they would only bid on the date, which was described uh, in something like this back before email and computers, <laughs> text messages, <laughs> note cards. And uh, so this was my date. And believe it or not, a young lady uh, by the name of Amanda and her roommate bid on uh, my and my friend our date and uh, Amanda and I that was actually our our first date together uh, so it is yeah it is it's really true to say that mission brought us together and uh, even to this day mission brings people from all over the world together and for the Christian church mission sends us out so that's what we see in the book of Acts and this morning, we're going to go to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. And uh, I want to read that with you this morning. We do have Bibles over here. If uh, you want an uh, old school 
book version of the Bible. Uh, Acts chapter 8 from verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The story of Philip and the Ethiopian is the classic story of evangelism. Two weeks ago, we talked about evangelism and that there are basically two ways to do it. Uh, I like to describe it as the, the go style of evangelism and the as-you-go style of evangelism. And actually, when Jesus says, go and make disciples in, in the, great, uh, the Great Commission, these are both ways that we do it. We, we go and we, as we go, Ooh, I don't know if I can say it. that's not good English. As we go, we share the good news of Jesus. And we talked about that last week or two weeks ago. It's when you meet people in your life circumstances, on your way to school, on your way to work or at the gym or on the football field. And, and when you are willing to share the hope of Jesus with the people you encounter every day. As you go, evangelism is the mindset in which you are always prepared, always looking, always willing to be a, a light, a, a, the salt of the earth, to share the hope of Jesus. And, and it's so important that we do this in our lives. In fact, Monday night I was so encouraged. We had a, a, an opportunity to host uh, a couple of families from Ukraine. They had made it in. Uh, this was after English Bible study. And uh, the, so the families came to our house. It was like 2 p.m. or no, 2 a.m. Um, late in the morning, late in the night, whatever. Uh, but 
we talked with, they were so tired, they went to bed, that the next morning well, they woke up and over breakfast, one of the families, they, they began to share. We, we were curious if these two families knew each other. And they didn't know each other at all. What had happened is at the border, one of the families was Christian. And they had met the other family who was not Christian. And so the Christian family invited uh, the other family to accompany them, uh, to, to help them along the journey. And the thought of that it just so amazed me that this family, this family, Christian family, fleeing for their safety, fleeing from their homeland, had the thought that along the way, along the journey, they ought to share the hope of Jesus. Amen. Wow. A beautiful story. We were so encouraged uh, by the, this family and uh, what we're seeing in so many ways as you go evangelism. And I hope we all do that. I hope we all practice that. But the other way to share your faith is the go evangelism. Now this is, this is a little different because this is a specific way in which you are called to leave a comfort zone. You are called to leave familiarity. You are called to leave home, family, or whatever for the sake of sharing the good news of Jesus. You are called out in an extraordinary way to share Jesus. And this is what we see this morning with Philip. Philip was called out in a very extraordinary way to share the news with Jesus, or with the eunuch, share the news of Jesus to the eunuch. In this story, we see that Philip was asked to go. There's two prominent goes in this passage. But the first one, he's asked to go, and he's obedient. In verse 26, it says, The angel of the Lord said to Philip. Now, we have to pause right there. Because anytime you have an angel of the Lord that says something, we need to stand up and take notice. Because angels, they just show up everywhere. Uh, but when they do show up, they sort of demand your attention. Uh, which is why we hear things like in the scripture, when an angel comes, what do, what do they usually say? What's the first thing they say? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Now, why would an angel say that, first of all? They must be something there about them that demands your attention. That's, that's the story of, of Mary and Joseph. And I mean, and it's true for Philip. Philip catches the attention of the angel. And the angel says, go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, you have to know a little bit about the geography to know why this is so strange why this is so unusual, because this would have been very difficult for Philip. Go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, because in those days, there were actually two roads uh, that would go to Gaza. One went to the west, and it was easier than the one that went to the south. It was more popular. It was the way that you would go. The other way, which went to the south, was, was longer and more difficult. And furthermore, the Greek word for south can also mean at midday. It seems that the angel was giving Philip a very unusual request. Philip is to travel about noon, the heat of the day, in the desert, they're in the desert, remember, on the road that's longer and more difficult. That is an unusual request. It would be like 
I was trying to figure out what that would be like today. If we're here, if you know Deborah's in geography, and you were told the Holy Spirit to told, you, told you to go to the Nodge Templum, the, the big church, you would know how to go, right? Just walk out here, turn right, it's right there. You know, what, three minutes, four minutes, maybe? Well, what if the Spirit said, you're going to go to the Nodge Templum by way of the plaza? Wait a second. <laughs> Who would do that? You know where the plaza is, right? Over there. Well, you could get there, right? But why would you do that? More traffic? You got a big, big stoplight, you got to wait forever there? <laughs> you go over the plaza and then go back to the Nodge. Why would you do that? You wouldn't. So when Philip gets this command from the angel, the question is, why would you do that? You wouldn't unless the Holy Spirit tells you to go. This is a go example. It was an unusual request. No doubt Philip would have struggled a little bit about that. I mean, you had to think that in his mind, he could have been thinking, Lord, there's a better way. I, I can tell you how to get there. Let me have this. But thankfully, Philip was obedient. He, he starts out on an unusual journey, trusting that God has a plan and that God is already at work and that his eyes are open to see what God is doing along the way. Soon he sees the Ethiopian in the chariot. Uh, it's obvious that the Ethiopian has been to Jerusalem to worship. It's obvious that he's searching for meaning in his life, which is why he's reading the book of Isaiah. And then he comes to a, a part that he doesn't understand. So the Holy Spirit gives Philip another unusual request. This one is easier to understand. He says, go over and join the chariot. Run up to the chariot. It's almost funny if you can imagine it. Philip is he's on, a, on a journey, but he's... he's told to go run up to the chariot. And here he is just running along the, the chariot. He's not out for a, a Nike run. He's not doing conditioning for the marathon. He's running next to the chariot. And, and, and finally, until he, he hears the, the Ethiopian reading. So he's reading, and then he gets to begin a conversation. Hello there. Don't mind me. I'm out for a run. Do you know what you're reading? And then the Ethiopian replies, how can I? unless someone explains it to me. The next thing we know, the Ethiopian invites Philip into the chariot and then asks the question, who, who is the prophet talking about? Philip knows this passage because it speaks about the life and death of Jesus. It says in verse 32, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. It was a perfect opportunity to tell about Jesus. The message is clear. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That is the message. The Ethiopian believes Philip. He wants to have new life in Jesus, and so he asks to be baptized as soon as they find water. In verse 36, the Ethiopian says, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? In some versions of the Bible, Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, and the Ethiopian replies, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then as soon as it's done, as soon as they come up from the water, Philip disappears. Mission accomplished. <laughs> oh, imagine what that was like. The story of 
Philip and the Ethiopian is one of the most important pictures of evangelism because it's not a story about Philip's cleverness. It's not a story about a church's strategic outreach plan. It is not a story of how hard somebody tries to share Jesus. Instead, it is a story of obedience and listening to the Holy Spirit. Philip is asked to do an unusual thing, to travel in the heat of the day and to take the road that seldom traveled. It was unusual, but yet sometimes the Holy Spirit of God can lead us in unusual ways. He does this because evangelism is about listening to the Holy Spirit, about being ready to respond, about seeing, looking for where God is already at work and joining Him. It means that when things seem a little difficult, a little unusual, a little like, God, are you sure? Then you should suspect that God is at work in powerful ways. I like a story that uh, a Baptist preacher by the name of Tony Campalo, he, he was a sociology professor for a number of years, he shares about an occasion where he was invited to go to a, uh, it was a Pentecostal college not too far from where he taught in Pennsylvania to share the message. So he, he gets to the, the Pentecostal college a little bit early and, and he's greeted by some of the leaders of, of the ministry there and uh, a group of about eight men. And so they, they greet Tony and, and he's a little bit early so they invite him to say, come back, we want to pray for you for the service today. And Tony's like, okay, I, sure, let's pray. We need to pray. He believes, and Tony is the one who believes in prayer. And so he, he goes back into this little room, and these guys, these eight guys, they start to pray for Tony, for the service, for, for the outreach. And they begin to pray, but as, as Tony says, the, the more they pray, the more tired they get. And since they've they're got hands on Tony, and Tony's kneeling, the more tired they get, the more they start to lean. And so Tony's not only feeling the weight of the prayer, He's feeling the weight of eight men who are getting tired praying. <laughs> he shares this, and then not only that, then there's this one guy. He's praying. He's not even praying for Tony. He's praying for somebody else. He starts praying. He says, Lord, you know Charlie, Charlie Stofes. Charlie, we lift Charlie to you in prayer today because Charlie just told me he's leaving his wife and kids. And, and Lord, you need to do something. Lord, we pray for Charlie. You know Charlie. He lives down the road in the little white house trailer. We pray for Charlie. Tony's thinking the whole time, well, okay, I understand, but God doesn't need directions on how to get to Charlie's house. And, but the man keeps praying. He says, Lord, we lift up Charlie, the guy who lives in the little white trailer just down the road on the right-hand side. We lift Charlie up to you. He lives in the white trailer on the right-hand side of the road and keeps praying on and on. Finally, you're done. Tony gets up and he shares his talk. He preaches the message. It goes fine. And then he gets in his car and goes back home. He gets on the, the highway. And uh, as he's on the highway, he sees a hitchhiker. Now, Tony, he says, he doesn't normally pick up hitchhikers. can be dangerous. But on this occasion, he felt a prompting to help this fella. He pulls over the car. The hitchhiker gets into the car. They start driving down the road a couple min minutes into the trip. Tony says, hello, my name is Tony Campalo. What's your name? The fellow says, hello, my name is Charlie Stofes. 
Tony gets a big look and a big smile on his face. He takes the next exit, turns the car around, it's on the highway, heads back the other way. Charlie says, where are you taking me? To which Tony replies with a smile, I'm taking you home. The man can't believe it. He sits there the entire ride silently as Tony gets off the next exit, drives past the Pentecostal College to the little ho white house trailer on the right. <laughs> Charlie, they pull into the driveway and Charlie says to Tony, how did you know where I lived? Tony says, well, God told me. It's in the truth, he did. <laughs> the man can't believe it. He's, his mouth is open. He gets out of the car and starts to walk to his door and the wife opens the door and greets him. She says, Charlie, you've come back, you've come back. And Charlie then whispers into her ear and, and as he does, her eyes get big and her mouth drops. He's telling her what had happened. Tony then follows them in and he says, let's go sit down, we're gonna talk. I'm gonna talk and you're gonna listen. They sit down and several minutes later, Charlie and his wife have given their life to Jesus. And Jesus has saved their marriage. I love that story. Because it's a remarkable testimony to the way God can work and does work in unusual circumstances. I mean, have you ever felt the, the, the nudge from the Holy Spirit to do something a little unusual? To go somewhere, to speak to someone about Jesus. Have you ever questioned the command and maybe thought, well, well, what will they think of me if I start to talk about Jesus? Will they think I'm a religious nut, a crazy man, a crazy one? Everyone who has been touched by the power of Jesus has a story to tell. It is the story of Christ at work in our lives. And just like Philip, if we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he will lead us to people who are ready to hear the message. That's what we see in this passage. And one other thing we need to see is that Philip, in this story, there is a sense of urgency when it comes to sharing our faith. Now is the time to share the news of Jesus. When Philip was commanded to go, there was a certain amount of urgency. If he was to meet the Ethiopian, he needed to be obedient right then, right now. It has been said that obedience deferred is not obedience. Obedience deferred is not obedience. I'll do it tomorrow means you won't do it today. There probably are several reasons why you can think of, I'll put it off, I'll, I'll wait till tomorrow. But in this story, it needed to happen right at that moment. I mean, just think about that. If, they, if, if, if it, in that moment, Philip had to leave because perhaps that was the best moment to talk with the Ethiopian on the road in the middle of the day. Less people traveled. It was quiet. There was a greater opportunity. And it had to be at the moment where the Ethiopian was reading the book of Isaiah for the right question to appear. It had to be in the right moment. It had to be in the moment where there would be water somewhere along the journey and the Ethiopian could say let's stop I want to be baptized all these things were dependent on Philip being obedient in the right moment my friends the same is true for us today it's too easy to think well 
Lord, I'm, I'll start looking for, for people. I'll start being more aware. I'll be more responsive when I, get, when I get through this week of school or when I finish this degree or when we finish this house project or once I get the, 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 the dog cleaned. Once, once I, I, I need to learn more about Bible, the Bible. I want to do more Bible studies. Then I'll be ready. I want to I pray more. and Nothing against prayer because prayer is important. But, but all these things, they can become excuses to put off obedience when the Lord is saying that now is the time to respond. If Philip had not responded in the moment, one of the most powerful leaders in Ethiopia may not have heard the good news of Jesus in a way he could understand and respond. You have to know that when God's plan seems a little odd or difficult, you can always trust him. And you know the Holy Spirit is at work. Maybe God is speaking to you even now with this situation. My friends, we are in unusual circumstances, unusual times. Maybe, maybe the Lord has already spoken through an angel, through a, a prompting, through the scripture, or, or maybe through people around you. And when you are willing, when you are obedient, you get to join the most awesome mission the world has ever known, sharing the good news of Jesus. I love the stories in the book of Luke, chapter 15, the lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Because in each of these stories, the one that is, the thing that is lost, the one that is lost matters so much to the owner. Jesus tells those stories of, of the lost things, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, because that's how he feels about people. Every life matters. Every person matters to Jesus, and they should also matter to us. Jesus is saying that people are important to God. That's worth remembering when you think about circumstances and people in your life. Your friends, your neighbors, your family, all these people God has put into your life even during this difficult time because he wants to use you to make a difference. He's already at work in the world around us. And I believe the greatest joy in life is to join Jesus on this mission. Are you willing to trust him? Will you have a heart like his? Are you willing to join Jesus in the most important mission the world has ever known? Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful that you are faithful. You are already at work around us, and none of us knows how much time we have. None of us knows what the circumstances in our life will lead to or how this craziness will unfold. Uh, but Lord, we do know one thing. We know you are faithful. You are at work and, and you love people. Lord, help us to have that heart uh, as you have in you uh, where we are ready to share. We are ready to be bold, to, to, to take steps of faith, to trust in you. Lord, give us a boldness. Give us an attentiveness, a watchful eye for your work around us. We ask all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.